One fan. Thank you, Sherry. Let's express appreciation to the uh, worship team and the, the sound tech team. They always do such a great, great job. I've had the privilege of speaking at several congregations across the state of Florida, and I'm always honored to come home here to TBA. I don't say this to every church, but this is a great church. This is a great church. And one of the reasons, yeah, that's right, go ahead. That's a good thing to clap for. One of the reasons is you're catching on to what it means to live sent. With that being said, let's pray. Eternal, all-wise God, we bless you this day. I pray that... Uh, As we've just sung about how much you love us, I hope that can be our story to share with others. In the name of Jesus, amen. Well, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ken, and there are at least two things that I want you to know about me today. First of all, and most importantly, I am married to your children's director, Narita Bish, and to use a football term, I outkicked my coverage when I married her. Um... (laughs) And after all these years, I've known her for over 35 years now. She's more smoking hot today than she was back then. She really is. So, yeah, give her a hand. That's right. And the other thing that I want you to know about me is I like to tell a story. Well, actually, that's not true. I love to tell stories. And I tell them a lot. And because of that, our pastors here at TBA ask me to teach this morning on the power of story and how does story uh, tie into being lived sent. And all of our life, we've been fascinated with stories. As children, we often say, Mommy, read me another story. Or now one of the pleasures that I have is being a grandparent. and, And I love it when they say, Grandpa, tell us another story. So all of us love story. There's an author by the name of Robert Shank who wrote, Humans are not ideally set up to understand logic. We are ideally set up to understand story. And I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus told so many stories. People who have been in the church for a while know them as parables, but really they were just stories about life events that caused people to relate in a different manner to God. And what I want you to hear this morning is that stories, what do they do for us? I think stories inspire us. When we hear about other churches that are doing certain things, or we hear about other Christ followers that that have lived a sent life, it inspires us to do the same, doesn't it? But stories not only inspire us, but I believe that stories connect us. Whenever we hear of a commonality among somebody, I have identical twin daughters, and so anytime someone tells me about their twins, I get excited. Okay? I'm the only one probably that didn't know we were going to have twins till the second one was born. That's another story. But our stories connect us, don't they? And what I want you to hear this morning is that I have a story. But not only do I have a story, you have a story. And all of us are aware of that. It doesn't take a genius to figure that out. But are you aware today, whether you've been going to church all of your life or this is one of your first services ever, are you aware that God has a story? And God wants that story shared in a manner that will cause others to be connected and inspired and have hope about Him. So what's His plan? And I believe God wants you and I 
to use your story and me to use my story in order to inspire and connect other people. Inspire and connect. You don't, you don't have to be something you're not. Is there biblical evidence for this? There's a verse in 1 Thessalonians where Paul... Paul was a very, very, very intelligent, very learned man. One of my dear friends that's here today is one of the smartest people I know. Vondi, it's not you, okay? Um, but I have a friend here that's very, very well educated. Paul was that way. He was, he was kind of like the lawyer of lawyers of his day. And he writes these words to the church in a city called... Thessalonica, after he'd been there, he's in prison now and he writes these words, when I was there, because we loved you so much, we delighted to share with you not only what? The gospel, but what? Our very lives as well. And it's, it's my premise today to believe that you can use your story, you can use your life along with the gospel in order to inspire and connect other people to God. When I was a pastor in Jacksonville, we renamed the church to New Journey Church. And, and then we told people, if you want to go on a new journey with God, how do you do it? The first thing you do is seek God. In other words, try to follow after what God is doing. In the first song that we sang, if you go to the right, we go to the right. If you go to the left, we go to the left. So as you seek God, you find out what God is doing. And every time we seek God, God will do what? God will bring people into our lives that we need to serve. You see, Christianity is not about coming and, and singing some good songs or hearing a sermon and leaving and not doing anything with it. Christianity is taking the beauty of seeking God and then finding some of His people to serve. Whether those people are close to God or far from God. And here's the beauty of it all. Not only do we seek God, not only do we share a life, excuse me, not only do we seek God and serve people, but we don't have to do it alone. We can share life. And that's what Paul was telling the Thessalonians. For too often, it's my conviction that churches, don't stone me, but churches have made God look bad. Christ followers have made God look bad. Gandhi said, I accept your Christ, but I don't accept your Christians. How, how do we do that? It's by living a very judgmental, dogmatic life. Years ago, people used to pass out tracks. I found a track in the bathroom stall one day. And I thought, what brings somebody to think that that's going to change somebody's life? Now, you probably haven't done that, but have you ever heard of this new device called Twitter or Facebook? Have you ever followed some of the links that people have? And when you follow a lot of those, I see why there are people who think God is mean-spirited and judgmental, and if you don't live just the way somebody else believes, you can't be loving God. Am I doing okay? See, because it, it's my story 
to try to help people have a different understanding of God. So knowing that as a backdrop, I'm now going to share some stories that will tie into how do we live sent? How, how is it possible that as we live sent, we can change people's perspective of God? It was September 1980. You guys aren't even thought about it at the time. I'm from Lake Wales, and I was attending Lake Wales High School, and at our church, the most stunning beautiful college freshman walked into our church. She had a tan dress on. Today she just so happens to be wearing bib overalls because it fits the theme of the kids' journey. And I was mesmerized. So I did what every red-blooded American 17-year-old male does who's shy. I became a stalker. See, because she was so above my head, I knew I couldn't go up and talk to her. I would say, ah, 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 ah. so I set in motion a stalking process. And I watched her from a distance, and I saw who she talked to. And, and so then I went up to them and said, what's that, per what's that gal's name? And and what she liked, and, and I continued to stalk her, and I found out she was on Warner University's basketball team. She actually won most improved. I won't tell you the quality of the rest of the team, but she won most improved, okay? And so in my stalking process, I go and I sit in the very top row of the gym, and I'm not certain whether she even knows that I'm there, but there's a timeout called, and she comes off the court, and she sits down, and she turns, and she looks up and does something that my life changed. No, she didn't have me arrested. No, she didn't sue me for stalking her. She looked up in the stands. Now, you have to remember, I don't think I've talked to her yet. And she looks at me, and she takes her index finger, and she waves like this, and now my heart's about ready to explode. And then it happened. This is what changed my life. She smiled at me. Oh, she smiled at me. I knew my stocking had been a success. I knew that I had her. I knew that from then on she was going to follow me around. And really, that's how it happened. And after our first date, which was May, excuse me, February the 4th, 1981, so we just celebrated 35 years of dating. And two years, three months, and three days after our first day, dress, she had this white dress on. Wasn't she smoking hot then, too? How do you like the Elton John glasses that I'm wearing there? <laughs> Mr. Parker, that proves that one day I had hair like yours. Just 35 years from now, here you go. <clears throat> now, why do I tell you that story? First of all, stories connect us, remember? Now you know more about your children's pastor. You know that her husband's a stalker. You know that her husband, you know that her husband is crazy about her after all these years. Okay? But what did she do that changed my life? She smiled at me. She smiled at me. Now, 
Real quickly before I tell you about why I said she smiled at me, here's the outgrowth of this day. That's our grandson and our son. Um, once you become a grandparent, this isn't about your kids. It's about your grandkids because, you know, the reason why grandparents and their grandkids get along so well is they have a common enemy, okay? <laughs> so this is our oldest grandson. That's Maddox. And then this is, uh, this is Braden. He's one. He just turned one last week. Doesn't he look like his grandpa, except with hair sticking up? Isn't he, isn't he just a handsome young guy? This is the love of my life. This is Miss Sawyer Grace. She was born just about Christmas time, so she's about two months old now. And uh, she is the younger sister of uh, Maddox. And when she was born, Maddox crawled up on the bed and looked at his mom and said, pointed to her stomach and said, Mom, put Sawyer Grace back. <laughs> and this is Micah. He was just born about a month ago to our other daughter. Now, why do I tell you that, that story? Why do I share the pictures? Stories connect us, don't they? Stories cause us to know one another a little better. But stories can also inspire us. And it can also teach that, that part of my life's goal is to cause people to think differently about God. Because I'm here to tell you today, God is not exclusively the God of wrath that a lot of you grew up hearing about. How God was just looking down from heaven, trying to dangle you over the pit of hell, just waiting for you to mess up if you did the wrong thing. I'm here to tell you that while God is a judge, He's also a God that wants to smile at you. Want proof? How's this text? May the Lord do what? Bless you and protect you. Okay, this section right here, in just a moment, you're going to tell me two words when I point to you. The first is bless, the second is protect. Okay? This section, I want you to remember the middle part. May the Lord smile on you, just like waving the, the index finger. May the Lord smile at you and may be gracious to you. And this section over here, including the tables, you are, may, he, may His favor and His peace come upon you. Before we do that, I want you to know that this text is from the Old Testament. It's from Numbers. And a lot of people think, oh, then the Old Testament, God was a God of wrath. This is what He wanted His priest to pray for the people. May God what? Okay. That was weaker than even first service. And you guys have been up a lot longer. So... Because I believe in you, I'm going to give you another chance, but not right now. This group's going to show you how to do it. Okay, you're leading the pack. Here we go, over here. Really, really weak. Okay, here we go. What? Most improved. Here's my champions. Okay, you guys got to stay after class. Why do I do that? Because I want to remind you that the very God that placed the stars in the sky, the very God that, that not only made our galaxies, but all of the galaxies, wants to smile on you. And you know what? You can use your story to tell other people that. To tell other people.
So how do we take stories and understand what does it mean to live sent? Because I love stories and because I, I, I like to tell them, I'm going to tell you three stories now, but I want you to hear out of each one, it will give you a specific way that you can live sent. The first story is about a man named Fred, and then the second two are about a guy, guy named Ken and Ken. It's kind of like uh, the old Newhart show, this is Daryl and my other brother Daryl. Okay, well this is going to be Fred and Ken and Ken. Fred was a member of this church. He started coming to our congregation when we were in other facilities. He had already retired. He had never been involved in church in his life. And he knew that he was far from God. And he found out that he had cancer. So he shopped around and went to different churches and then started coming to our church... And he told me that his life changed. And he told me how he had an experience with God and how he confessed to God uh, the things that he had done wrong. And I had the privilege of baptizing him. But here's why I tell you the story. It was Christmas time. And Fred was a bubbly, outgoing guy. And he comes into church uh, on a Sunday. And he said, Ken, I just want you to know this is the greatest church in the world. And I said, what do you mean by that, Fred? Why is this a great church? And he said, well, not only do we get to hear about the love of God, but we get to tell people about it. And yesterday I went down to, I think it was at Steinmart or Marshall's, there by Hobby Lobby, and our church every year at Christmas would wrap Christmas presents and then just give them to people and say, just want to tell you that God's love is free. And Fred was stoked because he had an outgoing personality. And he said, all day long yesterday, I got to talk to people and tell them in practical ways that God loves me. But Ken, here was the clincher. I got to do it with four college girls. This is the greatest church in the world. An old man like me can wrap Christmas presents with four college girls. Now, why do I tell you that story? You can do that. You can find out a practical need that people around you have. It doesn't have to be at Christmas time. It can be going down to the hub house and helping some of the students there. It can be going to an elementary school and becoming a foster or big brother or big sister. Excuse me. It could be a, a foster parent. But you can do that. You can find practical ways to help people. And in doing so, you share your story about the love of God. You share not only the gospel, but what? Your lives as well. So that was the first story. The second story is about a man named Ken. Kenny is what he liked to be called. I was a pastor in Jacksonville. And this lady started coming to our church, and her husband didn't come for a long time. And then Kenny started coming with his wife. And he would be there a Sunday, and then he'd miss three or four Sundays. And then he'd be there again, and then he'd miss a couple. And one day he came up to me after church and said, Ken, I really, I really love this church, and it's really making a difference in my life. The reason that I can't come is I play in a band. And on Saturday nights, I, we play really late into early, early Sunday morning, and, and I don't get home. And I said, oh, that's, that's cool. I said, tell me the name of your band. And he did. And so looked him up online to find out when his next concert was. And it 
then I got Narita and me, and we got about eight other people from the church. And I said, let's go hear Kenny play. But one thing I need to tell you is he plays at bars. And this particular bar was a biker bar. I can't make this stuff up. So the eight or ten of us from the church, we show up in the minivan, okay? And there's all kind of guys standing outside, and they're wearing the chaps, and they're, they're tough, and, and they're looking at this short, fat, bald guy thinking, what are you doing here? And I start praying, Lord, give us an in. Give us an in. And you know what? The lead biker was an electrician. And a guy who I had with me had been an electrician and they worked together. And when Danny from our church got to know the head guy, we were in. We were loved. I mean, we were respected. I walk into the bar and the band is just finishing this one song. And as soon as the song is over, Kenny, who was a drummer, stood up and yells out across the bar, that's my pastor. I've never been so proud to be called pastor in my life. And then the ten of us, we sat around and we played cards with some of the people at the bar and we talked to them. It was, it was a little weird because some of the games were not ones that we chose to participate in. But folks, instead of just saying, Kenny, you need to come to church, you need to come to church, you need to come, come to church, get in your minivan and go find people like Kenny. You can do that. That's what it means to be live sent. Jesus didn't teach us to stay in our own little church cocoon and think that church was listening to songs and listening to a sermon and going out and say, hey, Ken, I liked your stories, and then never doing anything with it. Living sent means taking your life to people. Final story. Final story for this section, by the way. Final story is about a man, a friend of mine named Ken. He's a pastor in Orlando, and he has a church there. And they were trying to figure out how can we help our people just reach out in the love of God to people that are far from God. But people would say, "I go to church and I don't, I don't know anybody." So Ken said, "Let's start praying about who we can run into." And they started going to the same restaurant. They started going to the Sunnies on Semeron. By the way, I'm a connoisseur of barbecue restaurants. That's a good one, okay? That's a good one. Don't go to a barbecue restaurant with Glenn Farrell and get behind him in the salad bar because you'll be there till Jesus comes back, okay? But that's a good one. So Ken started having the same waitress. And... Several people from his church would go with him, and they got to know this lady. We'll call her Mary. And they realized that Mary wasn't married, but then they noticed after several months, they noticed that she was pregnant. So Ken and his small group got together and planned a baby shower for Mary. Ken went to the owner of the restaurant and said, Can you make sure that Mary is here on such and such a day because we want to surprise her. So they got there about an hour before Mary's shift was supposed to start and they decorated and they had baby balloons and they had presents that they had wrapped. And Mary came in to work her shift 
And she goes up to Ken and she says, this looks great. Who's the party for? You know what they said? It's for you and your baby. And we just want to tell you that God loves you. Tears flew down Mary's face. She had had kind of a hard life. And here were some people that she barely knew that took their money and spent it on her baby. You can do that. I can't fathom that Ken ever goes into that restaurant on Semeron Boulevard and if Mary is still working there, that she doesn't think differently about God because of Ken and his small group. I'm positive that the owner feels differently about God. So I just want to remind you that as you seek God, what did I say? You'll find people that you can serve, but you don't have to do it on your own. Why? Because you have all these other people that you can do it with. In your small group or in, in your worship team or your children's ministry group, plan some ways that you can go about and do good. It's based on one of my favorite passages of scriptures. It's just in the middle of a verse. It's in Acts 10. And in the middle of that, verse 38, it simply says, He, talking about Jesus, went about doing good. Folks, sometimes you say, I can't be like Jesus. You can do that, can't you? You can go about doing good. And then that ties back into people's perception of God is going to change. Why? Because they're going to see that you love them and that you're not only sharing the gospel, but what? Your very life. There's nowhere in the Bible that says you should go up to complete strangers and say, if you die tonight, are you going to hell? It just doesn't work that way. But you can share your life. And you can then have people here. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord what? You guys don't even remember. I think... I think what we're going to have to do now is not keep you after class. We're going to do some in-class participation. God wants to give you what? Listen, we got a baptismal service, and we got to uh, talk about Honduras, so you better catch on to this really quick. Here you go. Last chance. There you go. There you go. Folks, you can do that. You can tell your story. Why? Because I have a story, and you have a story. And God has a story, and you can use your story to live sent and to help people be connected and inspired to God. Three real quick concepts about applying living sent to our life. The first is the first is don't fabricate and don't brag. What I mean by that is sometimes people like to fabricate their story before they were Christians. I've heard videotapes of, of a five-year-old boy that was getting ready to get baptized, and he said, I was living such a terrible life of sin, and, and it was just awful. And then Jesus came, Jesus came into my life, and I want to be baptized. He's five. What could he do? Take peanut butter and shove it up his arm with, with Kool-Aid mixed into it? Okay. 
Don't fabricate your story and don't brag. I'm from Polk County. I love Polk County. But I am sick and tired of hearing Polk County rednecks who have become Christians. Yeah, boy, we had such a great time drinking and it was a lot of fun and we just chased women and we did all that fun stuff. But now I'm a Christian and I can't do that anymore. Come on, folks. We should have an abundant life. And you don't have to... It's good to tell people your past, but you don't have to brag about it. Brag on Jesus for change in your life. You with me? Next, actions speak louder than words. You can wrap somebody's Christmas present. You can go to the hub house. You can go to Honduras and do something to help people. The last thing is, you don't have to be afraid. You do know what it means when a preacher, especially one that doesn't get to speak very often, says in conclusion, right? (laughs) It means absolutely nothing. (laughs) But in conclusion, I want to tell you another story. In 2006, Narita and I basically won an almost free trip to Switzerland. We we went and we heard one of these... um, timeshare sales pitches and we could go anywhere in the United States where they had a resort for free or we could go overseas to one of the resorts for $25. So I thought about it. Paducah, Kentucky for free. Switzerland, 25 bucks. Disney with all the tourists and have to go on I-4 and getting all that traffic. Free. Switzerland, 25 bucks. So I called all my friends and asked them to fast and pray and ask them to have wisdom. No, I didn't. You know what we did? We went to Switzerland. (laughs) And while we were there, there was an old castle. It It was built in like the 11th or 12th century. And as we explored it, we went down into the basement. And in the basement, on one of the walls, was inscribed, and it was still there after 900 years or however long ago it was, inscribed in the wall was three crosses. And the middle one, I I don't know how to describe it except for it was kind of glowing. The the person had, had obviously taken time And it caused me to remember a verse in the last book of the Bible. And that's the book of Revelation. And as I looked at that and I thought about how long that had been there, my mind flashed back to I am the Alpha and the Omega. What does that mean? I'm the A to Z. I'm the beginning and I'm the end, says the Lord. Now note the order. If you're an English major, okay, I am the God who is. That's present tense. He starts with the present. So in just a moment, this group, you're going to be the God who... Okay? Then, I am the God who always was. There's never been a time that that God wasn't in charge. 
okay? Can I trust you on this one? You got a chance to improve now. You're the God who still to come. And as I was standing in that castle, and as I'm looking at these scratches, I'm thinking about the greatness and grandeur of God. And this verse came to my mind. And then I was reminded of something else. I was reminded that there are three things in the book of Revelation that you need to remember. The book of Revelation is the most confusing book in the whole Bible. Let me sum it up for you in three things that you need to remember. The first is this. Jesus is the King. Never forget that. That Jesus is, is the King. Second of all, and this will tie back into what I just said, the king is always on his throne. He's not wringing his hands. He's not saying, oh boy, we've got to choose between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. He's not sweating it. He's not, he's not worked up about that. He's always on his throne. And here's the beauty of the book of Revelation. Never forget this last point. In the end, what? The king wins. The king wins. The king wins. You can live sent. You know why? Because God is always on the throne. And in the end, what? The king wins. So as the band comes forward, I want to go back to that verse, Revelation 1.8. And I want you to stand with me. And here's what I want you to remember. As you're living sent and as you're a little scared, I can't go to Highland City. I don't, have, I don't have what it takes. I want you to know this right here, that the God who... Present tense. He is. He is right now. Okay? But not only is the God who is, but what's next? Always been... He always was. The king has always been on his throne. And he's always been in charge. And what's last? Still to come. There's never going to be a time when God is not with you. How can I say that with confidence? Because in the end, what happens? The king wins. Share your story. You don't have to take people by the throat. You don't have to shove a track down their throat, but you can share that God changed your heart. Pray with me. Eternal, all-wise, all-loving God, we're blessed to call you Father. And Lord, I, I thank you this day that right now you're the God who is. You're with us right now. But Lord, we also find strength in knowing that there's never been a time in the past that You weren't with us. And there'll never be a time in the future that You're not still with us. So Lord, I pray that we would tell our story to live sent. And now, may God bless you. May God protect you. May God smile upon you. May you find God's favor. And may He grant you peace. In His name we pray.